Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 13th, 2012. Newcomers, make sure that you make good use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll see a bunch of other sites listed on that page. Uh, And if you find sticking downloads, try the other ones because so many folk go into the com at the same time. And you find all those sites have transcripts in English for print-up as well as the audios. And you, you can also go into Alan Watts Sentient, sentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't sell you things to make you uh, grow back third set of teeth or, or your, your hair grow back or anything like that. I don't sell anything whatsoever. I actually set the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and I don't have uh, shares in any of the, corp- any of the, the, the products sold, etc. So if you want to support me, you can, you can do so by buying the books, as I say, at uh, cuttingthroughmatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office, send cash, or use PayPal. Across the world, you go PayPal, Western Union, and MoneyGram to get the job done. Now, straight donations are really, really awful, awfully welcome in these austere times. And what I do is give you some of the histories of the big organizations that set out to take over the world over 100 years ago and how they got together, formed their clubs, special branches of these clubs, and even had different ones for different parts of the planet specializing for 100 years to bring in the trading routes, the free trading deals, they called them, 100 years ago, and amalgamate whole continents together, like the, the European bloc, for instance. And they haven't stopped. Uh, we're seeing the completion of it all. We're living through it in, in our lifetime. And um, we also see that it's to be an authoritarian society because uh, this club, with, it, with its United Nations front, of course, which is part of it, has stated that uh, that really democracy doesn't work. They will use democracy while they conquer for the last few countries, but it really doesn't work. So there'll be a, a, a facade of democracy for, to keep the public happy, but in reality it'll be an authoritarian society in which, under which you live. You're under it now, of course, under the guise of terrorism. Remember, anything will do. Uh, the end justifies the means. That means causing the problems as well uh, of terror, and even if there isn't any, and then using it to take all your rights away because they have a plan to ram through massive changes in your standards of living in a post-consumer society. Uh, there's lots of stuff on their own websites from the net. If you look into the United Nations and just keep going around for days and days and days, you'll find so many stuff from uh, non-governmental organizations that are funded by the big foundations, which are just the fronts for the big international banking boys. That's how it's really done. And, of course, these NGOs are told to lobby government to get the laws passed, which the big banking boys want passed. Because after all, you see, the, ba- the banker boys have been running the world for an awful, awful long time. Uh, these are the guys who picked up the gauntlet to do with the eugenics, and they ran with it after Charles Darwin, because they want to bring in their world 
run properly by academics and and professors, specialists and things, so that we don't screw it all up like, you know, the people at the bottom will do if you let them think for themselves. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. And it's interesting to see the, the big movements that have been encouraged to take over all your rights. Global warming, climate change, all different names for the same con. And, you know, cons have been pulled off, massive cons all down through history. And, and the bigger the con, actually, the, the more it's easily believed by most of the people. They can't believe that so many people with straight faces become on television and, and say this is so. And, uh, and so they, 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 they hold their on to their, uh, incredulity. They can't let it go and say this is incredulous. It can't be happening. So many folk wouldn't lie to me. It's a very easy trick. You know, a lie told a thousand times becomes the, the norm. And that's what they're taught in marketing as well. But anyway, this is from uh, about Greenpeace co-founder Dr. Patrick Moore. And he says, his CO2 is lower today than it has been through most of the history of life on Earth at 150 parts per million. CO2, uh, all, all, as, uh, 150 parts per million CO2, all plants would die, resulting in virtual end of life on Earth. So it says here, Patrick Moore's uh, commented on a, a new study trying to explain the lack of global warming. And the new study claims abrupt increase in CO2 absorption slowed global warming. And an excerpt from it says the Earth would have warmed faster in the last two decades had there not been an unexplained rise in the amount of carbon dioxide being absorbed on land. Scientists believe scientists have discovered an abrupt increase since 1988 in the uptake of carbon dioxide by the land biosphere, which comprises all of the planet's plant and animal ecosystems. The breakthrough had taken scientists completely by surprise. And it explains how much CO2 is absorbed by plants and animals, with some of the CO2 then being passed from plants into the land. So it says ecologist Dr. Michael uh, Moore uh, said, um, or Patrick Moore, pulled no punches in commenting on new studies. He says these people are either completely naive about the relationship between CO2 and plants, or they're making this up as a way of deflecting attention from the lack of warming for the past 15 years. Moore is the author of the book called Confessions of a Greenpeace Dropout, The Making of a Sensible Environmentalist, in which he exposes the green movement and explains why he left the, the organization. He told the Climate Depot, it says, Plants grow much faster when CO2 is higher. The optimum concentration is between 1,500 and 2,000 parts per million, so it's a long way to go before plants are happy. CO2 levels in the atmosphere have continued to rise despite plants absorbing more CO2. So what is the scientist's point? It is to obfuscate, confuse, and otherwise muddy the waters with disinformation. He says we should challenge them to admit that CO2 is the most important nutrient for all life on Earth and to admit that it is proven in lab and field experiments that plants would grow much faster if CO2 levels were four to five times higher in the atmosphere than they are today. This is why greenhouse uh, growers pipe the exhaust from their gas and wood heaters back into the greenhouse to increase the CO2 levels. And it says... And they should recognize that CO2 is lower today than it has been through most of the history of life on Earth. 
There's no abrupt increase in CO2 absorption. It's gradual as CO2 levels rise and plants become less stressed by low CO2 levels. At 150 parts per million CO2, uh, all plants would die, resulting the end of life on Earth. So thank goodness we came along and reversed the 150 million year trend of reduced CO2 levels in the global atmosphere. Long live the humans. Moore concluded. So they're jumping, everyone's jumping ship and got their sense back and uh, it's quite interesting to, to see what's all, all is happening. Tonight too I'm putting up a, a list to do with drones etc. But it says um, this article is about autonomous drones. Will a human always pull the trigger? And it says throughout there's 25 year plan on drones. The Department of Defense writes as if making our fleets ever more autonomous is both a major goal and an inevitability. One stated goal is to support research and development activities to increase the level of automation in unmanned systems. And from another portion it says, first and foremost, the level of autonomy should continue to progress from today's fairly high level of human control and intervention to a high level of autonomous tactical behavior that enables more timely and informed human oversight. This isn't as alarming when you realize that some drones will be completing tasks like clearing mines or getting supplies to wounded soldiers. Wouldn't it be great if those drones were ever more autonomous? But then it goes on to say, And it gives you the chills, according to the author. It says, for a significant period into the future, the decision to pull the trigger or launch a missile from an unmanned system will not be fully automated, but will remain under the full control of a human operator. Many aspects of the firing sequence will be fully automated, but the decision to fire will not likely be fully automated until legal rules of engagement and safety concerns have all been thoroughly examined and resolved. Definitely meant to be reassuring. My takeaway was, forget the timeline. The Pentagon thinks bots will one day kill autonomously and that the law and safety issues will resolve that killer drones are in our future. And they're going about crowd drones and crowd control and sharing drone technology with other nations is all part of it too because we're all one now apparently. You know, it happens overnight when you blinked. And they also went through some of the shortcomings uh, of drones in the past. So I'll put that link up, plus I'll put up another one to do with um, the drones itself as well from the military. And um, it's quite an interesting article. Uh, you'll find it pretty informative about the from the military itself, what they think about it all and where they plan to take you. And you can take that to the bank because they're predicting this stuff. Uh, years ago, every year that the big think tanks come together and they come out with this kind of stuff for their future once that's put on the table and put in print, uh, they aren't going to deviate from anything at all it doesn't matter what comes, hell or high water they'll, they'll continue to go along with it the Pentagon also says that Gitsmo or Guantanamo uh, drugged prisoners for their sake and then interrogated them so it says, a recently released Pentagon report admits to interrogating Guantanamo Bay prisoners after administering mind-altering treatments to them, often forcibly against their will, but stresses it was not done for the purposes of interrogation. The report for, uh, for, by the Inspector General of the U.S. Department of Defense, obtained by Truthout.org, under the Freedom of Information Act, found that some Gitmo inmates were questioned while receiving prescribed psychoactive treatments. The Pentagon is trying to justify the facility staff's actions, saying that nowhere in medical records do we find any evidence of mind-altering drugs being administered for the purpose of interrogation. The detainees were not given drugs as a means to facilitate interrogation. He goes on and repeats that. 
But the report does admit that certain detainees diagnosed as having serious mental health conditions being treated with psychoactive medications on a continuing basis were interrogated. So that's their way out of it, saying uh, you just classify them as mentally ill and you put them on your psychoactive drugs and then you interrogate them. That's their legal way out of it. That's what they're up to. Quite amazing, isn't it? And... So much is really getting rammed through because, after all, this is a century of change. That's what's been called for the last 50 years. We're well into it. They had to kick it off with something to take all your rights away, which they did. And um, and we're going through the big changes, the planned changes of society into uh, the stages where specialists in all areas will run our lives from birth to death. It's already happening further ahead in some countries and others. But uh, he's one to do with uh, it ties in with an article put up by the Department of Defense in Britain for NATO countries in 2008. The whole thing is on my website and archives, and uh, I put a link up tonight on it again. But they actually mentioned that they have these countries will fade away gradually. They'll get they'll get to a world government for a small short period of time, very short, and then they'll end up with big. Uh, super city-states, high-tech city-states. Well, gee whiz, the United Nations Agenda 21 has come out with uh, part of this too. It says dense mega-cities of the future are already underway. And it says Michael Frikaeus, chief scientist for the UIN's Planet Under Pressure, wants populations to be confined to mega-cities locked up so they can easily uh, be controlled and mitigate for their population growth. Frakaya says if uh, cities can develop in height rather than in width, it would be much more preferable and environmentally not as harmful. According to the Globalists at America 2050, and I'll put a link up for that too, metropolitan regions will be interlocking economic systems, shared natural resources and ecosystems, and common transportation system link these population centers together. They're super cities, they call And it says... Under Agenda 21, policymakers, businesses and community leaders will be used to enact changes to city structure, including controlling public water allocation and distribution. I hope you all get that one, folks, because it's private corporations are running your water already. Coordinating transportation of goods from one meg-arian or region, they call it mega-region, to another. Installing high-speed railing systems and improved eco-conscious transportation modes to mitigate CO2 emissions that apparently are too low at the moment. Protection of biodiversity by restricting human effects to nature. Implementing tough economic and development strategies to make multi-use purposes in land distribution. And global integration zones will link regions to one another through specially designed transportation systems. Uh, Dennis Frenchman, an architect and professor of urban planning for MIT, asserts that city planners of the future must design cities that accommodate the large migration of people caused by population growth. It's not by population growth because I've already said we're plummeting in the West. There's massive immigration that keeps it up. What it really means is it's uh, that these cities are to cram most of the folk into once they get rid of all the small towns and suburbia and all the rest of it, and you're all crammed in these, these, these cities. And they must be efficient and so on, according to the U.S.'s Millennium Development Goals Decree and United Nations Agenda 21 policies. Put up the links for that tonight. Hi folks, we're back. 
cutting through the matrix. And also tonight I'll put up a PDF for the UK with its draft communications data bill. It's the latest stuff to do with their data collection on everyone. It's quite easy to do because everyone wants to join social groups. And that's why they're put up there in the first place is because all the data is collected and uh, anything that goes through, the, basically the ether, is owned by the guys that just grab it. That's what they claim anyway. So they can take all your information from you, especially to do with those that uh, have things in common. They're under intense scrutiny by the big authorities, the Pentagon and NSA and everything else. So anyway, I'll put this one up tonight. It's the June 2012 Draft Communications Bill, and you can go through that. And uh, also, I'll put up this one, and it's an interdependence and predictability of human mobility and social interactions. Uh, This is from, again, from all your social uh, chat sites and so on that you all join. And it goes through the the amazing studies that they've been doing on uh, interdependence of humans' uh, movements. The social ties that you have of individuals is one of the most interesting research areas in computational social science. Previous studies have shown that human development is predictable to a certain extent at different geographic uh, scales. One of the open problems is how to improve the prediction, exploiting additional available information. In particular, one of the key questions is how to characterize and exploit the correlation between movements of friends and acquaintances to increase the accuracy of the forecasting algorithms. Now, they call it forecasting because they've got to know all about you. And um, people, as I say, use their tweet to each other. It's all picked up immediately and put into your personality profile. But they also want to know who you work with and, and who you're friendly with and why are you friendly with them, what do you have in common. And then they do this incredible in-depth analysis with all their algorithms to try to get things in common with you, etc., to make sure that you're predictable. But you can't stop people uh, joining them. They go like lemmings to the sea. And, um, and it's making it easier for government than ever before. I even read the article last night where the, the ex-FBI uh, guy and CIA also said that, that basically all these social sites are doing most of our jobs uh, for us now because uh, they don't have to go scouring for information with spying. They've got it all put up there for free. So it's a sure and poor problem if you do it. Just, you, know, you can't stop folk doing it. And... This one here is on Melinda Gates. Family planning means sterilization women or sterilizing women in developing nations. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are hosting the London Family Planning Summit where they will purvey uh, their depopulation and eugenics agenda in the name of women's rights. For those who don't quite get it yet, that's what they call it, women's rights. And, you know, both governmental and private sector representatives will be in attendance where not only will, will lucrative deals for provisions of contraception uh, will be made, but the BMGF, as they call it, Melinda Gates Foundation and Bill, will secure donated funds to bring their brand of depopulation to third world countries. And it says, um, and the BMGF, of course, they're always a certain that it's scary numbers. The global population is expected to grow to over 9 billion people, and this is unacceptable to them, it says. It's not going to grow because we're plummeting in the West. Most of them are going sterile anyway. By applying pressure to social programs and resources, the BMGF want to use family planning as an investment for all nations or national governments globally. Delegates at the LFPS will team up with non-governmental organizations like the White Ribbon Alliance for Safe Motherhood, wherein they, will have, they have pledged to make sure policies and political leaders are properly swayed in the direction of support to their campaign. 
So a lot of women die, of course, from these abortions and all the rest of it too, but it doesn't matter to them. Uh, no one's taking tally over in the third world countries. But you're paying for all, and you can go back to that uh, particular uh, order put out by Kissinger to depopulate the third world. It's, all, it's been going on all along under the guise of charitable uh, foundations and, and philanthropy, etc., to help people, you understand. Mexican drug cartel laundered money through Bank of America, the FBI alleges. Well, this is like a recycled thing that happens all the time. They've been doing this for, I read, I read these articles 20 years ago. Same in Canada. The RCMP said that if the big uh, drug boys pulled their money out and stopped putting it through, that all the banks in Canada would collapse. It said that years ago. So they know, they know all about it. Of course they know all about it because it's part of the system that we're supposed to have. And um, the reality is utterly, completely different from anything you've been taught. This is a good article by Pilger, and it's, it's about uh, psychological operations. And he says that history is the, uh, is the enemy as brilliant psyops become the news. Psychological operations, you see, are the news now, for those who don't know it. He starts off with southern Vietnam, which he was in uh, even during the Vietnamese War and afterwards. He says, arriving in a village in southern Vietnam, I caught sight of two children who bore witness to the longest war of the 20th century. I assume they'll be outdone with this this one here, starting Gulf War One and Two. Uh, their terrible deformities were familiar all along the Mekong River, where the forests were petrified with silent, uh, small human mutations, and that's where they lived as best as they could alongside the, the river. Today at the Two Do Pediatrics Hospital in Saigon, a former operating theatre is known as the Collection Room, and unofficially as a Room of Horrors, and as shelves of large bottles containing grotesque fetuses. During its invasion of Vietnam, the, the U.S. sprayed a defoliant herbicide on vegetation and villages to deny cover-up to the enemy. Uh, this was Agent Orange, which contains dioxin, uh, poisons of such power, power that they can cause fetal death, miscarriage, chromosomal damage, and cancer. And when we come back from this, I'll go into the mutations that are still going on over there. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix talking about the the disruption of the the DNA sequencing basically in countries that were soaked with Agent Orange which is still used to, today in some countries I think Britain even uses a brand of it too of course they don't call it Agent Orange anymore but it's known to really disrupt your uh, the, the sequencing as I say of DNA and your chromosomes and all these different uh, often too go into many generations and some of them get, get worse with every generation in fact remember this stuff too is from Agent Orange Dow Company, Dow Chemical Company that also works with Monsanto uh, to make their, all their pesticides. Anyway, just today at the Two Do Pediatrics Hospital Saigon, a former operating theatre is known as a collection room and unofficially as the Room of Horrors. Shelves of large bottles containing grotesque fetuses during its invasion of Vietnam, the US sprayed a defoliant herbicide on vegetation and villages to deny cover to the enemy. In 1970, a US Senate report revealed that the US has dumped on South Vietnam 
a quantity of toxic chemical amounting to six pounds per head of population, including women and children. The code name for this weapon of mass destruction was called Operation Hades. They really love these names, and it tells you who runs your world. Operation Hades. So they changed it to a friendlier, a friendlier Operation Ranch Hand. You know, I'm an old ranch hand from the Rio Grande, that kind of stuff. Sounds much pleasanter because you must use psycholinguistics to make things uh, acceptable to the general public. Today, an estimated 4.8 million victims of Agent Orange are children. Len Aldis, Secretary of the Britain-Vietnam Friendship Society, recently turned from Vietnam with a letter uh, for the Olympic uh, Committee from the Vietnam Women's Union. The union's president is Nguyen Tai Tan uh, Hoa. She described the severe congenital deformities caused by Agent Orange from generation to generation. She asked the International Olympic Committee to reconsider its decision to accept sponsorship of the London Olympics from the Dow Chemical Corporation, which was one of the companies that manufactured the poison and has refused to compensate its victims. Aldous Hand delivered the letter to the office of Lord Coe, chairman of the London Organising Committee. He has had no reply. When Amnesty International pointed out in 2001, Dow Chemical acquired the company responsible for the Bhopal gas leak in India in 1984, which killed 7,000 to 10,000 people immediately. It was an amazing thing that happened there. And 15,000 in the following 20 years. David Cameron described Dow as a reputable company. Of course, because they sponsor them. Cheers then as the TV cameras pan across the £7 million decorative wrap that she's the Olympic, Olympic Stadium, the product of a 10-year deal between the IOC, the International Olympics Committee, and such a reputable destroyer. History is buried with the dead and deformed of Vietnam and, and Bhopal, and history is now the new enemy. On 28th of May, President Obama launched a campaign to falsify the history of the war in Vietnam. That's what Orwell said, they always change the histories. So for the harder thinking, I'll repeat that, President Obama launched a campaign to falsify the history of the war in Vietnam. To Obama, there was no Agent Orange, no free fire zones where you could kill everything that moved, no turkey shoots, no cover-ups of massacres, no rampant racism, and no suicides. And it says here, as many Americans took their own lives as died in the actual war. No defeat by a resistance army drawn from an impoverished society. It was, said Mr. Hopi Changi, one of the most extraordinary stories of bravery and integrity in the annals of U.S. military history. That's how it's turned out to be, just pure bravery, you see, and no suicides, um, no racism, no, no massacres, and no free fire zones where they killed everything that moved. No, just brave guys. The New York Times article was not a leak or an expose. It was a piece of public relations designed by the Obama administration to show what a tough guy the commander-in-chief can be in an election year. If re-elected Brand Obama will... Uh, it's a good name for it too, Brand Obama. You get different brands of them, you see. Will continue serving the wealthy, uh, pursuing truth-tellers, that's whistleblowers, threatening countries, spreading computer viruses, which they did with the stuck net in the flame, and murdering people every Tuesday. The threats against Syria, coordinated in Washington and London, scale new peaks of hypocrisy. Contrary to the raw propaganda presented as news, the investigative journalism of the German daily Frankfurter uh, Algemeen Zittung uh, identified those responsible for the massacre in Huala as the rebels backed by Obama and Cameron. The paper's sources include the rebels themselves. 
This has not been completely ignored in Britain. Writing in his personal blog ever so quietly, John Williams, the BBC World News Editor, effectively dishes out his own coverage, in quotation marks, citing Western officials who describe the PSYOPs operation against Syria as brilliant. As brilliant as the destruction of Libya, Iraq and Afghanistan. And as brilliant as the psyops of the Guardian's latest promotion of Alastair Campbell, the chief collaborator of Tony Blair in the criminal invasion of Iraq. In his diaries, Campbell tries to splash Iraqi blood on the demon Murdoch. There's plenty to drench them all, but recognition that the respectable liberal Blair fawning media was a vital accessory to such an epic crime is omitted and remains a singular test of intellectual and moral honesty in Britain. How much longer must we subject ourselves to an an invisible government? This term for insidious propaganda, first used by Edward Bernays, the nephew of Sigmund Freud, an inventor of modern public relations, has never been more apt. False reality requires historical amnesia. Lying by omission and the transfer of significance to the insignificant, in this way political systems promising security and social justice have been replaced by piracy, austerity and perpetual war, an extremism dedicated to the overthrow of democracy. Applied, If this was applied to an individual, this would identify him as a psychopath. Why do we accept it, he says. But the power of Obama is every Tuesday, he picks the guys himself, according to the press for the public relations. He's a tough guy, you see. This is the impression I'm trying to give you. Every Tuesday, they all meet, and, uh, and Obama picks the, the guys in the, in the pictures he doesn't like who get bombed by drones. So he personally selects those who get murdered, you see, for those who didn't know that. All public relations make him strong man, you see, strong man. A new ground-based laser can extend drone flight time. They do an old idea by Tesla of transferring energy, and they're using a laser to do it. Lockheed Martin, one of America's high, uh, largest war profiteers, and they ever, they're also doing your, your census for your countries in the U.S. and Canada, and they also do get, get hold of your tax profiles, and then so they get the contract, and they ship it off to India. Do you done there? Anyway, SIS has demonstrated technology in partnership with Laser Motive, which can extend the flight time of their stalker drone by 2,400% using a ground-based laser and potentially allow the drone to stay in the air indefinitely. With drones being used by the military in league with law enforcement and with the practice set to expand across the United States, this could be a great way to keep surveillance on potential criminals around the clock or just monitor traffic. Well, of course, it's to monitor all of you. The technology, which admittedly sounds like pure science fiction, uses a proprietary method to wirelessly transfer energy via laser light over long distances, in this case the ground to the stalker as it flies. The stalkers are relatively small, electric-powered, unmanned aerial system, which runs on batteries now extended by over 48 hours. Launched by hand, powered by a propeller, and maneuvered in flight via the Xbox 360 controller, and a camera which relays live video to the soldier's computer. Then it gives you a video, so you can see Lockheed Martin uh, promotional video in action, apparently targeting the law enforcement, law enforcement agencies. And... Um, so they're all amazing too. The people who read all this stuff—they're just enamored by all the sciences. They don't understand what's really going on. Facebook and other social platforms are watching users' chats for criminal activity and notifying police if any suspicious behaviour is detected, according to reports. 
And it says the screening process begins with scanning software that monitors chats for words or phrases that signals something might be amiss, such as an exchange of personal information or vulgar language. The so- you look at Hollywood for vulgar. Because they don't say it's not your, you know, you're, you're uninhibited. You've got to be uninhibited if you're in Hollywood. And so you must use that uninhibited uh, profane language all the time. So the software pays more attention to chats between users who don't already have a well-established connection on the site and whose profile data indicates something may be wrong, such as a wide age gap. The scanning program is also smart. It's taught to keep an eye out for certain phrases found in previously obtained chat records from criminals, including sexual predators. So it's always stopped the sexual predators who are all up there and at the top of every government. If the scanning software flags a suspicious chat exchange, it notifies Facebook security employees who can then determine if the police should be notified. The cops are scanning them anyway. Keeping most of the the scanned chats off the eyes of Facebook employees may help. Facebook deflects criticism from privacy advocates, but whether the scanned chats are deleted or stored permanently is as yet unknown. Well, because it's unknown, that means if they've destroyed it, they'd tell it, right? So it's still being kept. The new details about Facebook's monitoring system came from an interview with the company's chief security officer, Joe Sullivan, in which he gave to Reuters this little talk here. At least one alleged child predator has been brought to trial directly as a result of Facebook's chat scanning. They always use the same thing. It's for the children. They put a bunch of liars and hypocrites. When asked for a comment, Facebook only repeated the remarks given by Sullivan to Reuters. We've never wanted to set up an environment where we have employees looking at private communications. So it's really important that we use technology that has a very low false positive rates. Well, going back to that previous one I mentioned too, and how they're, they're actually using uh, programs and algorithms to, to see how, how predictable you are. They're all at it. Every single one of them. And the Navy is beginning to implement, or implement underwater drones in the Gulf, it says here. Amid concerns of Iran closing the Straits of Hormuz during a potential crisis, the U.S. Navy is beginning to develop and release a set of underwater drones to find and destroy sea mines present in the Persian Gulf. Multiple news outlets reported Thursday that tensions concerning Iran's nuclear program set in motion the reinforcement of U.S. military personnel and weaponry in the region, especially in the form of the Sea Fox, a four-foot, 88-pound unmanned underwater surveillance vehicle that's guided by a remote control. In February, the Navy implemented dozens of Sea Fox drones after an immediate request by Marine General James Mattis, head of U.S. commander serving in the Middle East, according to media reports. The underwater drones have been arriving in recent weeks, and not a coincidence, considering the talks between U.S. and Iran over the fate of Iran's nuclear development program have stalled. Yet Iran's not going to be allowed to have their own uh, energy supply, you see. It's really, you only have one. There must only be one. Remember that? Well, it's all the movies. There can only be one. I wonder who that would be in that area. And another article here is to do with um, American militiamen who warns Congress to back off, basically, and tells them uh, during inquiry that people are getting just too fed up and nervous with all the black-clad uh, thugs that bash down doors and invade people's property and so on. So you can give your own thoughts to it and see what you think. It's up to you. And... We are really going through amazing times, or amazing times as this rampages ahead. As we're all getting taught to simply obey and put your hands up, or lie on the floor, or drop your pants at the airports. Another article about Britain's uh, cannibalism problem too. It's all over the place now, you see. 
and a pair disemboweled a rapist in a prison at Durham's Franklin Prison. And then they thought they'd eat him as well. So it's all the rage, you see. Maybe it's this rotten meat that they're selling in the the supermarkets today. You don't know what you're eating anymore. I mean, who knows what it is, eh? And Police Minister Nick Herbert in Britain announces criminal justice plans. And basically what it is, is to do with uh, changing the court systems and the laws to rush through, like convict, 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 one after another for the next expected riots. And uh, so they're altering everything, no no more uh, courts, basically, no more juries, and just fine on the spot or straight into prison from there. That's the new system of justice, because they're expecting, as I say, more and more riots as, as time goes on into austerity. But the evidence is there in Greece, look at it. And another article to do with CAFR schools, C-A-F-R. It says, how corporations are funded by taxpayers. Quite a good article. And it tells you where that every country has, basically every town, every city has investments across the planet. And, and also that everybody's pension plans are tossed in this big global uh, casino. And, and everyone's to blame eventually because they're all profiting one way or another. With, their, with the money that comes back as pensions for the taxpayers. It's not just the old focus for everybody, though. I'll put the link, the link up regardless. And it's true enough. I mean, corporations are, are funded by taxpayers, and they always have been, because for the, they have big, big building plans, and they always get the government aid to do it. The first guys in the U.S., really, and, and elsewhere in Canada, and uh, was to do with building railroads. And they simply gave the land to, to the corporations, all of it for free. And, and then helped fund them build the railroads themselves. And, uh, and then again, gave them the railway lines free. And uh, they still have that today. It's not bad being a bigwig, you know, when you get everything for free from the peasantry that pays for it all. And the Council on Foreign Relations, I've mentioned so much about it. If you go into their own websites, you'll find they give you what will become major mainstream news and all the other papers, because, you see, their boys belong to, to all the other papers, all, all the other papers' main journalists belong to the Council on Foreign Relations, which is just the American branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs for the globalists. So they come out with Can Banking Plan Aid Europe. So it's only help people. Now they've heard all these crashes and stuff. They're pushing for this, this long plan for event to, to unify all the banking system under one authority. Eurozone leaders are pushing ahead with plans for a single banking authority. That's from the Wall Street Journal. Situated, and that tells you, the boys, this is from the, the CFR's website, so it tells you that all these, all these uh, journalists are part of the CFR. Situated in the European Central Bank, a first step towards developing a Eurozone banking system. The new banking supervisor will be able to activate the permanent Euro Rescue Fund, the European Stability Mechanism, to directly recapitalize struggling Eurozone, Eurozone banks rather than channeling funds through national treasuries and adding to a country's debt burden. Now, you don't have to put it through your own central bank. We'll put it through the, the EU central bank, and, and we'll let the, the IMF do all your bookkeeping in your ex-countries that used to, used to have countries and nations. They're still calling them states at the moment, but that'll wither away too. So now it says uh, they want to help uh, the country's debt burden, says Brookings Institution's Domenico Lombardi. This new uh, banking oversight system could prove vital for Spain, which is expected to receive 100 billion euro, 
which is $1.23 billion EU bailout to rescue its failing uh, financial sector. As the European set in motion this framework over the next few months, the remaining part of this £100 billion, or euro, I should say, could be challenged through, uh, channeled through this innovative mechanism. So they want to give, make it streamlined so as every country will get a demand by the central bank to pay up so much to bail out other countries. Like, this is like forever. Because this is, they plan to do this forever, this scam. But let's go to Britain and say, we want so many million from you this week on, on Friday. And you, you, under the law that the law is signed, you have to pay it up. No matter what, how much they ask you for. Or where they put the money across the planet. Or, guess what? The EU fines you. They find that the, the citizenry of the whole country pays a massive fine. We're all owned, lock, stock and barrel. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back and I'll go to Zach from New England if he's still on the line. Is he there, Zach? Yeah, hi. How you doing, Alan? Not bad at all. Yeah. Good to hear. Well, uh, I had a question for you, actually. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Orwell and him changing history in uh, 1984. And uh, there was something that uh, you mentioned when I called uh, maybe a couple years ago about Will Durant and how yeah. he... You, you said that he killed himself and then killed him, his wife because he had some epiphany that he realized that the world that was being uh, portrayed, yeah. created around us, we would be unable to overcome or something like that. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I looked up at the New York Times because I happened to see, I, I went to this church function, there's that. Uh, a Catholic fortnight for freedom that they were doing uh, for religious freedom against the health care stuff. So I was curious, and, and I happened to hear a, uh, somebody who was teaching theology at a local Catholic university, who, and he happened to have a mason ring on, on his finger, by the way, so I don't know how that fits in with Catholicism. But yeah. anyway, uh, he was mentioning at the door something about Will Durant that I overheard the conversation of, and it just came to mind, and I looked it up, and sure enough, in the New York Times, the... There's nothing to it that there was a murder-suicide. They mentioned that he died three weeks after his wife, Mm -hmm. and they said apparently he died uh, never knowing that his wife had died three weeks earlier. Was the apparently the big giveaway there? Uh, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because in one of the actual... They they keep reprinting those uh, collections of books. Remember, the Rockefeller sent out the Durants with a massive team to try and collect the histories of the world to present to the public in a way that would give up all our rights, actually, so mankind was unstable, they'd need a scientific training and all the rest of it, exactly what we're going through today. And at the end of it all, Durant wrote off, he, was so, he says, we're, we're leaving people with no hope whatsoever. He says, this is going to be like a, a miserable system we're bringing in if they believe that we must be um, run and ruled by experts. And, uh, and and so he wrote off to Stalin and Churchill and uh, the, the U.S. Uh, uh, president as well. And in one of his books, you see a whole page there dedicated to that uh, from his own pen. He actually puts the uh, the page in there where he 
he um, asked them all uh, to, to change their ways and not go down this path of, of indoctrinating the public into basically a spun type of history. Because every story you look at is just big guys arising, becoming too big for their boots and slaughtering lots of people. Uh, it, never, it never goes into the fact that it's all coordinated in the 20th century, even before that, by the very organizations like the, the Rockefellers that were funding him to give this fake uh, history. So they actually were found in their hotel room dead, both of them, in the original documentation. And that's what, that's what they called it, was, it was a suicide uh, after uh, none, not one of the top people that they'd met personally, like Stalin, and Churchill, not one of them uh, would would send a reply back and and uh, say that they would uh, help promote a different kind of society than the one that the Rockefeller, that was his paymaster, uh, wanted. So yeah, they're always changing history, always changing history. Yeah, yeah, yeah the apparently was a dead giveaway for me. Yes. But anyway, uh, thanks for for that piece of uh, info because I wouldn't have found it out on my own. Yeah, that's right. But thanks for calling. And also, too, look at the old stuff by Trotsky giving lectures in, in Yiddish, actually, in New York. I've got the original newspaper, not copies, but original ones here, where he gives lectures to massive mobs in New York for revolution overseas. Where do you see that mentioned today? Who is funding them? Big bankers. From Hamish Massard, Montreal, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, your God, go with you.